And welcome back. Bob Coppice with us as we talk about near-death experiences. Bob, have they talked about when they are brought back from the near-death experience? Is it a medical condition? What brings them back? Well, uh, that's interesting how that goes. It's different. Sometimes uh, they they pop back into their body just like that. Uh, but sometimes they have a discussion up there in the, the other world, and they say, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to that earth where uh, there's so, so little love and so much struggle. Uh, I want to stay here in this wonderful space where there's unconditional love. And then it's being argued to them that they they have something to do. There's a task they need to, to do, so they have to go back. And sometimes they really don't want to go back. And then the, the answer is, well, we'll show you what your task is. We'll, we'll let you see what you chose to do on Earth just before you went into your body when you were as a, as a baby. And then most people say, okay, that's, that's good. I'll go back. I, I understand now what the purpose is of my life. I, I need to do that. But when they are back again, they lose that knowledge. It's it's something that's intangible anymore. They they can't touch it anymore. So that's that's the interesting thing. But people sometimes want to go back themselves because they have something to look after, like children or so. But others want to stay. Uh, so it's it differs. When people die, what do you think? This is all speculation, of course. What are the odds that they could have come back? They just decided not to. Yeah, you, of course, we don't know if people decided to stay. Um, but what I understand also, for instance, from a story about uh, Betty uh, Guaidano, she is uh, on the IONS uh, YouTube uh, channel uh, interviewing people. She, she's, um, she had her, she said she chose her life before she went to Earth and that life contained all these difficulties she wanted to experience. And she, she was thrilled to go into her body as a, as a baby to, to experience that life. But once she is in, in the body and she experiences uh, like uh, drug addiction, prostitution, and God knows what, all these horrible things, she didn't like it. But when she had her near-death experience, she was shown that she had chosen that uh, before she went uh, to Earth before she, she uh, entered her body as a child. And then she said, okay, I'll, I'll continue. Because it was also said to her that if you don't go back, uh, if you ch- stay here, that's fine with us. You can stay here. But then later you need to go uh, in another life. You have to start another life with a similar kind of difficulties. You have to go through these kind of difficulties, either now or in the future. It's your choice. So and then they they decide to go back again and and fulfill their life and I think that applies to everyone. We all have a task. Uh, it doesn't have to be so important as being a host on a, on a on a radio show or being the president or the, the king of the Netherlands or so. It it can be so simple as just going about your life, uh, having children, going to work, uh, doing stuff that's uh, or normal. Not one person is unimportant, not even the beggar in the street or the the, the migrant uh, at, at the borders of our countries. Like Daniel Brinkley, do most of them change when they come back? Absolutely. They, it's a life changer. Uh, people change thoroughly. 
um, and it's it's painful for the people that are around them. Like sometimes the the spouse doesn't recognize the person anymore. Um, uh, so because they change, they they become less. They change for the better, power. though. They change for the better, don't they? Um, it depends on what you think is better, but I think they are more interested in people, more interested in in nature, in in uh, less into money, into power. They want to do something good for the world. They want to 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 add something nice to the world because they feel that that's important. That's where it is all about. Bob, that's what the what purpose of their life? What fascinates you most about these near death experience stories? That um, there is a oneness. That's something that I came uh, that I realized after uh, decades of research. I think uh, it, it's been told so often that there is a oneness, and we are part of that. So you're sitting in in Oregon, I think, uh, and I'm just sitting here in Amsterdam, and we think we are a part. We are so closely connected. I'm cl- connected to all the listeners to every single person on earth, but also to the animals and nature. That's what I understand from uh, near-death experiences. And if, if people would realize that uh, because of the vertical observations, these NDEs are real, then people will start un- uh, trying to understand what the messages are. And the messages are unconditional love and oneness. So if I do something to you, I actually do it to myself. It's a kind of a zero-sum game. So that if people really realize that, they will change. They will change their attitude towards nature, to other people. You don't have to have an NDE to change. You can change by understanding the message. And the message is very hopeful. It's very nice. We are in this together. Everyone is. If I do something nice to you, I do it to myself. So do that. Go around. Do nice things. Let's go to the phones. Enjoy our callers this hour, Bob. Let's go east of the Rockies. AC in Cleveland, Ohio's with us. AC, welcome to the show. Hello, George, and hello, Bob. Hello there. Hello. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31 in the New Testament, the Bible records two real-life examples of two people who had a FDE, full-death experience. Okay, rather than a near-death experience. Full death. They died. Now, the two people are a beggar named Lazarus and an unnamed rich man. And there's a reason why the rich man appears not to be named. But anyway, this can't be a parable because no parable of Jesus ever used proper names. And there's the proper name of of Lazarus. And also Abraham is mentioned here also in in this story. So my question... To you, and it's sort of a two-part question, Bob. If there is no hell, why did Jesus give this example? And he also referenced hell and warned about hell in numerous other places in the Gospels. And then if God's love is unconditional, why did Jesus die on the cross? It seemed like he wasted his time. Two possibilities for you, Bob. Go ahead. Interesting questions. Um, uh, hell in the Bible, uh, uh, you know, uh, to put it this way, I think the Bible is a, a very 
interesting story, and I love actually I love best the the Gospels, uh, but all all the rest is is also there. But it's mainly written down by people, and they talk about hell, and uh, what I know from Andy Ears is that. Um, uh, well, we don't know that for sure, but there, I don't think there is a hell. That's my opinion. It may be in the Bible, um, but I think it is uh, not really there. Because if there is this oneness that we all belong to, why would one part of that oneness be left in disarray, in distress? Why? That's not logical. Uh, and if if I hear all these NDEs talk about unconditional love so why would there be some people not being loved because they did certain things they are left out and so then there is a condition to their love to having that love so you know the bible is a wonderful book uh it's it's there's a nice stories in it it's it's uh it uh, summons people to do nice things to love one another that's the main thing of the bible uh, and also of the other um, religious uh, scriptures from other religions. Uh, love is important. But I listen to Andy Ears, and they, uh, what I get from them is uh, that hell is not there, and I believe that. Next up, let's go to J.D. in Colorado. Welcome to the show. Hi, J.D. Hello, George. Hello, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. Brilliant conversations, and, and, and all the research is it's amazing that Bob has done on this subject here. Um, just wanted to let you know that I've died. <laughs> um, yeah, tell us I, what I happened. Dead. I was clinically dead um, for five minutes. I died on an operating table during an operation that went kind of south. And um, I had a, a very good surgeon out here and who was actually a, a, a psych warden uh, in Vietnam, a, a surgeon there. And uh, he brought me back after five minutes. Um, the hospital that I was in, it was, uh, it was a Catholic hospital. And it was strange that I was interviewed by the nuns afterwards. Um, they, they somehow word got to, got to them that um, I had passed. And they came in and, and they questioned me just like kind of what you just did. Uh, they wanted to know what had happened. And um, for me, um, it, was, it was very blissful. Um, like you know, it was your 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 typical, um, you know, passing and stuff. You know, it was, and then you know, and coming back and and it it, it seemed like the typical subject. But I, I did see it was just kind of like I was floating in clouds, but I didn't have control over my body, and I couldn't really see my body. And it was like more like um, they were saying, "Well, you can stay here," just like you were saying just a, a couple minutes back. You you could stay here. Or you can go back, and I, I said I wanted to go back, but it was like, like like you've been saying, like what's been documented here. It was, you know, they they it's cuddling, they 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 cuddle you. It's it's euphoric. You're just floating there. I don't think everything is revealed um, to people that are first getting to wherever this place is, where they first get there. I think it's um, if they stay a little bit more is revealed, but I don't know. It would seem like more of like a suspended animation and. Um, that I just didn't have control over my body. J.D., what, what's it like when you come back into your body? It, does it hurt? Does uh, once, it hurt? Once I said, once I, I, said um, I want to go back, 
It did not hurt because I actually, you know, I was uh, I was in the middle of surgery, so I was on quite a bit of medication. So um, I, I felt no pain. There was no pain dying. There was no I, I under this was the most controlled atmosphere someone could have, you know, for this type of situation because I was on an operating table and it wasn't so much in control, but um, you know, as far as pain wise, there was no pain. Um, it did change me when I came back. I, I, it changed me as a person. I, I, it seems like I have a lot of days of ooh now, and uh, practically every other day, you know, if not every day, something something seems to click. A lot of um, um, what they would call um, um, synchronicities. Mm, are you are you happier now? I I, I appreciate um, things a lot more. Um, when, when they said, you know, I could, I could go back, they said, well, you're going to be challenged with things in life. And, and I have been, that was one of the little side messages and, um, things have, have been, you know, very complicating, but, and I have had to go through a lot of trials in life just to find myself more. But, um, I, I'd say I'm, I'm slightly happier. I'm healthier in ways. Um, but, um, you know, it did change me as a person. It really changed me. And I, I also wanted to say I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about Ian uh, Punnett, um, Deacon Punnett. Um, he was, his shows, when he was filling in for you, George, um, you couldn't have a better guy to fill in for you. He was so, he was a good he, guy. He was so, such a listener to people. And he was so intelligent. You know, he was just brilliant, simply brilliant. And I know, you know, we have to pray for his family and, and pray for him. But, there is the other side. So everyone will be reunited at once again. All right. Thank you, J.D. Appreciate your input. Would you say that most of the things J.D. just said are what uh, some of these hundred experiencers went through, Bob? Yeah, it's it's, it's typical. Uh, by the way, thank you very much for your nice words about uh, the show uh, and, and my, what I explained. Uh, it's true that if people die, uh, pain goes away if you are on the other side if your spirit uh, is left to your body you don't feel any pain anymore everything falls away and that's the, the nice feeling there is there's no there's no emotions there's no uh, experiences everything that's a wonderful feeling um, you also say things like you appreciate people or more you are more appreciative of, of everything of, of life I think that's one of the things that happens to so many people a higher tolerance for people and what they do uh, nature and people become more important uh, feeling emotions of others those are things that uh, that people feel then um, and also on the religious side uh, uh, also People become less religious, uh, be, but become more spiritual. They are interested in other religions. They want to see what they say, what they, what the messages are there. Um, so, the, yeah, that's that's uh, what I understand. So he's uh, sort of typical in this, and I, I'm glad that he went through this and came back to share his story with us. West of the Rockies, Mark is with us in California. Hi, Mark. Hi. Um, I had a near-death experience 10 years ago. I had a fractured neck, patellar oh artery God. dissection, and uh, flatlined for two seconds. During that time, I went up into space. I went towards the star that I remember seeing as a child that my brother showed me in his telescope. Um, it was a very young star, and he showed me the uh, beginnings of that star. 
And um, towards my my journey, I went through space and I went through like some sort of uh, spirographic shapes that are like sacred geometry and they were changing colors. And it was like a uh, tunnel that I was going through. And then I went back to Earth and I saw I woke up underneath what I think is the tree of life. And um, towards my my uh, my when I passed out at the hospital, um, three voices came to me and it said, life is a gift. We are all one. Love is the answer to the meaning of life. And that has stuck with me. And fascinating. when I came came back, um, I saw into people. I could see what their thoughts were. I could see what they were going through. A homeless man was yelling on the streets. This is back in North Carolina before I moved to California. And he was yelling and yelling. And, and I could hear him say, I need my medication. I need my medication. Someone please help me. And someone did walk over and help him. Another time a lady looked at me and when I saw her and we and our eyes met, she said to me, I'm so lonely. Um, my family's gone. Nobody's here anymore. Um, and then I, I, I continued to follow my dream and I had to get away from the toxic people in my life back home. So I moved to California to restart my life over and I'm in the uh, security business. I'm in the bodyguard business. And, um, Anytime something really bad is about to happen, I get really nauseous and dizzy. And hmm. I'm more in tune now with, with people. And it's interesting because the synchronicities are there. I'm a big guy, so I, um, I'm into protection. And um, something bad is about to happen at, like, a restaurant. Um, let's say, uh, you you sense that, don't you? I'm sorry? You sense that if something's going to happen now, don't you? I do. And I'm always at the right place at the wrong time. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that could be a blessing, Mark. Uh, I'm glad you've (laughs) come back. Can you tell again the third one? This life is a gift. Uh, We are one. And the third thing you heard was? Mark. Answer to the meaning of life. Answer to the meaning of life. Bob, we're going to take a short break and come back and wrap things up with final calls with you. And, uh, Mark, I'm glad you're still back with us. We'll be back in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie along with Bob Compass. Bob, is there a feeling of time? Max was telling us from California that he was dead for two seconds. Do people feel time in the near-death state? Uh, No, that's the interesting thing. They don't feel time. There is no time. Or uh, One quote is that all time is there at the same time. That's that's very interesting to hear that so often from NDEers. And uh, a friend of mine from Amsterdam who had an NDE, she said, you can picture it that you can see the future and the present at the same time by considering that you're taking a different point of view. Uh, like if you and she compared that to if you if you are in Amsterdam, you can't see Harlem, which is 11 miles away from here. And uh, but you can see both uh, places if you're in an airplane. Now, in that other area, you have a different point of view. You can see all time at the same time. That's that's the in, in uh, the idea. So there is no time or it is all at the same time. Now, the people. Go, yes, I, go go, no, you go ahead, Bobby. 
I was uh, wondering, I'd like to react to the Marx story. That's um, Okay, sure, go ahead. He said something about uh, being psychic and having mediumship abilities because he, he, was, he felt things before they uh, happened. That has to do with this time element. And, I, you know, the thing is that many in the ears uh, are able to be more psychic, more uh, mediumship abilities, and I advise him to just develop them. Uh, maybe for the good of of uh, uh, people around him or in general, and he said something like, um, "There were three things that were said to him: life is a gift, we are one, and the meaning of life." Now, there's this story that I have of a, a little girl, Christina, who was uh, abducted by two men and assaulted, and they tried to drown drown her, oh, but she had her NDE. Uh, she was rescued by her father. She had her NDE, and then she said, I saw this, uh, well, Santa Claus-like uh, figure, but it couldn't have been anyone else than God. And she had a conversation with him, and he said, God said to her, to Christina, he said, you have to go back, and life is very easy. There's only four ingredients you have to follow, and if you do that, then that's fine. And those four ingredients were love, be loved, just be and experience life. And love and be loved are the things you have to do something for. Also, be loved. It, it requires action. You have to allow others to love you. But the other two, like just be and experience life, you can do just by sitting on your chair. But it, it, re it actually requires something, too. You have to enjoy life. And feel that life is a gift and that's what what mark said that's that's the the idea life is a gift just be and experience it how do we know that the near-death experience isn't some fluke of the brain when it's in that state the the thing is that you we we see all these theoretical observations i think that is that gives a, a good insight in that um, our consciousness can exist outside our body. Uh, and th they give an idea that that's, that's possible, but it doesn't uh, give evidence of the otherworldly environment. Now, I had an experiencer talking to me about her experience in the 80s, and she was telling me about the the financial crisis that had to come uh, still in 2008, that uh, uh, stories in my book. But she had that knowledge uh, when she had her NDE in the 80s. And she said to me when I had an interview with her, she said, there's a, a real crisis coming now. And I feel it because there's tension about the uh, Bear Stearns rescue, you know, this big investment firm that was first almost belly up and was rescued by J.P. Morgan Chase mm -hmm. in, a, in a deal brokered by the Fed. But, and I didn't believe her. I said to her, well, things are going good again. It was, it's okay, we can go on. And then the markets went up again, uh, they went sky high. And then in September that year, uh, with AIG and Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, I just <laughs> refresh your memory, and Lehman Brothers, of course, uh, then things really went sour. And, and But she had seen that already in her NDE years before. So for me, that is uh, proof that, that there is an afterlife. She had been there. She had seen all these things already.
and this sort of circumstantial evidence. Back to the phones. First time caller, John in Arizona. Go ahead, John. Yes, hi. I, uh, hi there. I want to thank you for uh, putting me on a first time caller here. Thank I you. I had kind of an odd near-death experience in that um, I was in an accident and uh, a vehicle that I was in caught fire. Oh, geez. And I was, it, it played out for about, they say, 12 minutes. And during that 12 minutes, I was trying to think of a way to escape and couldn't because I had broken both shoulders and was suspended by a seatbelt. Oh. So I, uh, it, it, what had happened was this, this feeling that I had accepted death that, you know, the whole time I'm thinking I got to get out of this. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then it, it got to this point where I just realized it wasn't going to happen. And this is it. And the, the feeling that I got was one of extreme sadness. And I, I was trying to figure out what that meant. I mean, I'm talking about the saddest thing you've ever felt in your life times a million. It Jeez. felt like my stomach dropped out of uh, my body. Did you, um, did you want to die, John? No, I did not. I was fighting to get out. And then just right after that, um, I had a voice of a, a previous a friend that had passed away a few years ago come to me and say, uh, burn the seatbelt off you. And, and that's what I had to do. I, I stuck my back over the, the, the brunt of the fire and it, it popped and I, I was able to crawl out, um, you know, extensively burned, but I, I did escape. But it was that feeling that I, I didn't, I didn't see anybody that I, I, I knew. I didn't see my body, but this feeling that was just overwhelmingly sad, not scary, but sad that I wasn't going to see, you know, my loved ones anymore. And that this is, this was it. What do you think of that, Bob? Wow. That's, uh, that's an amazing story. It's a uh, classic. It's, 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 Beautiful in the sense that it's, that there is a voice telling him what to do, um, and and that was the rescue. So there must be someone really out there talking to him and giving him the the, the piece of uh, uh, evidence or thing that he needed to to escape the whole situation and come back and come back again to to tell the story again. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's. A, it's a beautiful story, but the sadness, I can't, um, I, I don't know how to explain that. Uh, what I know from NDE years is that they, if they leave their body and uh, they feel, some people really think, oh, this is death. This is how it feels to be dead. Uh, I'm dead now. So they know. Uh, but then it, it feels wonderful. It's it's an it's a liberation that is so extreme because you're not attached to your confined body anymore so uh, uh, sadness i i can't uh explain i don't know what that is thank you john appreciate your story sergey in belgium your neck of the woods bob welcome to the show hi sergey uh, good morning uh, uh george and uh good morning uh, bob <laughs> we <talk so laughs> <Good morning. laughs> um, bob i would like to ask you if you're acquainted with the work of hody mikoski 
Uh, for those who don't know, Hody Mikoski is an avid uh, YouTuber um, who YouTubes about in the East um, and uh, the life beyond. And he recently published a book called Exit the Cave, Ending the Reincarnation Trap. And um, in it, uh, his contention is actually that uh, one, when, when one passes, one shouldn't go to, towards the, the bright light. Um, because it's a trap um, uh, of mm. reincarnation. And I think um, also the Hindu um, um, uh, religion also uh, calls, uh, you know, the, the reincarnation as a kind of trap that we continuously, we, we should work in our lives uh, towards not uh, reincarnating um, the next time. So um, what are your, uh, um, and, and the, the, the thinking behind it is that, there are some kind of, um, I call them uh, watchers, that actually live from uh, the bad energy and the suffering uh, from our souls here in the world. And uh, so my question is, what do you think about uh, those ideas? Well, that's interesting. The, the Tibetan Book of the Dead also says you, ha you shouldn't go to the, some of the bright lights because those are traps. So it's interesting. also uh, in, in that kind of direction that you find it. Uh, the thing with the bright light is that you cannot escape it. <laughs> uh, and I, I believe that it's not a trap. Uh, but you, people who tell you of their NDE and they say, they say they see a bright light, it is natural to go there because that's where you belong. It's the natural place to go to. And people don't think twice about it. They, they just feel that that's the right direction. So I, I appreciate the, the, the fact that someone else gives another opinion, and it's also in the, uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, but I don't believe that. I, I think the light is unconditional love. It's the nice place to go to. And I, if I had the choice myself, I'd go there. Let's go to Louise in Louisville, Kentucky. Hi, Louise. Hello, George. Thank you for accepting my call. I heard Ben say Cleopatra. I name. knew you were listening. <laughs> you knew I was listening, and I had to call in. And when the, I had the train wreck, uh, the train hit the car that I was in, there were four people in it, two ladies in the front, my sister and I in the back, and it knocked us out. And so we were laying on the ground, and then the, the uh, medical car ambulance from Fort Knox came because we lived at West Point, picked us up and carried us to the hospital at Fort Knox. But my mother was holding us, and she was praying, Lord, please don't take my girls. And that's when I woke up. The prayers worked. And uh, Bob, she is uh, believes to be the reincarnated Cleopatra. Ask her any question about Egypt and Cleopatra. She's got the answers for you. I think that's true. I'm, I'm sure, you know, because of the oneness, uh, I believe that everyone can uh, tap into the knowledge about Cleopatra because we all belong to the oneness. And the, the information about Cleopatra is there. Uh, apparently, Louise is very good at tapping into that knowledge about this uh, uh, this queen of uh, Egypt. So yeah, sure uh, I, I believe it's true. I I believe her. Let's take Scott in uh, Costa Mesa, California. Hey, Scotty, go ahead. Amsterdam, what a fun, what beautiful place. It sure Thank is. you. 
I, I, have I a live there whole year through. Yes, exactly. It's gorgeous. I have a couple experiences and then also a question at the end where I'd like to clarify like two words, and that's death and dying. Uh, from my own experience, I'm not afraid of death. It's the dying part that I think a lot of people have a concern with. That's and, true. Um, so well, just my experiences of being young and sort of uh, restless, my restless, restless youth and the partying and drinking, I had a lot of out-of-body experiences when I was, quote-unquote, drunk, where I would sort of float out of my body and I would be able to see my friends and and then wham, I would be back into my body. And I'm just wondering, um, I'm not a partier anymore, but I also have had a near-death experience falling off of a ladder um, a number of years ago. And I'm just wondering if out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences are related in some way. They're very similar, aren't they, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. You know, near-death experience typically starts with an out-of-body experience, uh, but you can have an out-of-body experience without an NDE. I mean, the NDE part is that you that you have all these visions or views of, of a wonderful afterlife, but an out-of-body experience is just where you leave your body. It, it is, well, common, I wouldn't say, but it's, it, it happens very often. I know of stories of, of uh, children that were molested by, molested by their parents or by the father, and the escape for these, these, this child was just to exit her body and just be away from it uh, during the episode. I mean, you don't understand what I'm talking about. And, and that happens. And people Also, when people sleep or when they are lying, um, taking a rest, I've heard people say that they uh, were hovering above their body. So it happens, but it's not the same as an NDE. It's the start of an NDE. It's pretty close. Bob, we're out of time. I want to thank you. Keep in touch. Good luck with your book. Thank you. It was wonderful to be on the show. Much appreciated. Thank you, George. You keep in touch with us. For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean LaDesour, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burroughs, Tim Benal, George Knapp, and Richard Serrett. I'm George Norrie somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.